0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Platicas with your hermana, the show where we dive into a wide range of topics with Mujeres Poderosas. I'm your host, HAU, the UCLA's historian, for the 2021 to 2022 academic year, Marisol Hasso. Today, we have two very amazing alumni joining us, one who is currently a lawyer and one who is currently a social worker. So please tune in to hear us discuss about their careers and post-grad life, and these ex-hermanas will also give us an insight on how to be a chingona (laughs) so with that happy week six everyone and today's affirmation is be present because the present moment is where your joy resides and all right so now we can jump into it so just to introduce our guests for today's episode um, the first one is Dr. Jennifer Chavez and Araceli Almazan. So hi, Jennifer and Araceli. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, could you please introduce yourself for the audience? So usually I ask them to just say their name, um, where they're from, uh, what their major was at UCLA, when did they graduate, your astrological sign, honestly, anything you want to share and tell every, any hermana who's listening right now. So whoever wants to jump in first
1: okay well hi everyone my name is Araceli Almazan I want to thank Marisol and UCLA Hermanas, for welcoming Jen and I. I think I speak on her behalf when I say that we enjoyed our time, you know, as as members of Hermanas Unidas. We have fond memories and I'm very, very happy to be here today. Uh, my uh, major was, while at UCLA, was poli-sci and my minor was public policy and education. I graduated in 2004. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from South LA. I live in Long Beach now. As Marisol mm-hmm. mentioned, I'm an attorney and I'm a Leo.
2: Hi everyone, Um, my name is Jennifer Chavez Bowie and I am, I graduated from UCLA in 2004. Um, I got my degrees in American Literature and Culture and Chicano Chicano Studies,
0: Mm. um, double
2: major. I am from the Bay Area, born and raised. Ooh. I currently reside in Union City, which is um, the East Bay, um, mm. kind of close to, I'm in between Oakland and San Jose. Okay. Um, so that's where I'm from, that's where I'm back there. Um, I'm back in the Bay after living in Los Angeles for a while. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, I share the same sentiment as um, Araceli. Thank you for having us on here. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I'm a Taurus, but honestly, I'm
0: not into science so much. I'm not really (laughs) sure what that means. But that's what I am. Yeah, I can totally relate on that because I feel like everyone my age knows everything about astrology, but I don't. I barely found out a couple months ago, like my three big signs, which um, they say is like your fire sign, your water sign. Or no, no, wait, I'm confused. I remember, but there's three signs because you have to know your birthday Mm-hmm. Um. what time you were born mm-hmm. and where you were born and my mom did not know what time I was born so I had to dig for my birth certificate to find it out because all my friends were asking me what my three big signs were and I'm like yeah. I'm sorry I don't know what time I was born <laughs> <laughs> Rising and your mood yes yes and then it's your yeah 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 so So i'm the opposite yeah so i barely found that out um well thank you both for being here and for sharing that um so we're gonna start off with a little icebreaker just to kind of get to know each other a little bit more and our interest so i have three questions here Um, Y'all can answer all of them, one of them, whatever you're more comfortable with. So the first one is, what is your favorite way to relax and do self-care? The second one is, if you saw the paletero outside right now, even though we're recording this at nighttime. But if you're craving a paleta or an ice cream right now, what would you buy? And then the last question is, what was your favorite home-cooked meal growing up?
2: Um, so for me, my favorite form of self-care is has to do with music.
0: So mm. if
2: I need to calm down or if I just need to relax, like I'll put my AirPods on, I'll turn up the music and I'll just relax. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if I have a little more energy and I just need to let it out, I love to dance. I am a (laughs) big time love salsa merengue Um, so that's also another I'll dance Um, fun fact I teach salsa to elementary school kids currently so I have a little group of TK uh, transitional kinder to 5th graders and we're performing this weekend Um, (laughs) they're so cute but that is also a form of self care for me because I just love letting that energy out Um, the second question is if I saw a palatero what would I get no question um the paleta fresa con crema or con leche that's my favorite mm. i it's like i like it doesn't matter i won't that's like my go-to all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the last thing is what was my favorite food growing up you know i thought about this and it, it's menudo Ooh.
0: and the reason
2: yeah the reason why it's menudo because it's it's more than just menudo it's Usually, after a big old fiesta or or something, a baile Mm -hmm. or something, um, the next day my mom would make menudo, and you know, family would come back to the house and we'd have menudo for breakfast. We just had pozole last weekend after my sister's PhD um, graduation. So it just brings Mm -hmm. back so many warm memories of just Mm -hmm. like gathering at my mom's house and it's one of those things that she didn't make all the time unless Mm -hmm. it was a pretty special occasion right So, yeah so whenever she made menudo there was a reason for it like Mm -hmm. you know my tia was coming or we were coming after it was the day after a party or where we had guests from out of town coming and then someone bring pan so menudo just means a lot more than just the food it's it's the
1: connection that it brought and brings to my my family Mm -hmm. So for me, um, favorite way to relax and self-care has always been, you know, either it's usually the beach or the park and walking and fresh air, just being out in the open. Um, I think that, and we'll get into this a little deeper, right, when we talk about our chosen profession, what our day-to-day looks like. Um, But I spend a lot of time indoors, right, whether it's an office or in front of a laptop. And I think when I reach a point where I'm stressed, I just need fresh air and i think for Mm -hmm. me it's it's the beach just going to the beach or the park just to relax and get some fresh air um if i saw the paletero outside i love the paletas de coco i really like that one that is i really love it i I like the ones that have like pieces of fruit you know those Mm -hmm. chunks So yeah, I would definitely, 100% it would be a paleta de coco. And as far as what my favorite home cooked meal is, it's funny that Jen mentions menudo because I thought pozole. And it goes back to exactly what she said. Yeah. Because we associate these meals with holidays, right? Mm-hmm. When do people make pozole? It's like holidays, gatherings. And it's something that, quite frankly, I still haven't figured out how to make. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've attempted, but I haven't been that successful. <laughs> so I still associate that with, you know, my aunts, my grandma, my, you know, um, uh, you know, my making this in family
0: gatherings. Mm-hmm yeah thank you so much for sharing that i have to agree because Mm -hmm. my family is a really big like caldo family um i remember well when i was at home my mom would probably make caldo like two times a week and Mm -hmm. i love posole like whenever i have like it's a birthday or we're celebrating something regarding me everyone knows that the dinner Mm -hmm. is going to be posole um because it's true it it, like it's associated (laughs) with like Um, warm like family time and just like very like heartfelt um, memories and stuff like that so um, I would totally have to agree on that so uh, it's so that's something we all have in common Um, (laughs) so thank you so much for sharing that and then now we can start off with like actually going into what our topics are for today so we're going to be focusing on um, both of their careers we're going to talk a little bit about post-grad life and see if we could get some um some insight about that. And then lastly, we're gonna end with how to be a chingona 101. (laughs) So um, I asked Jennifer and Araceli um, to just kind of think about some questions regarding their careers. Um, So I kind of asked them to think about what does a typical day at their job look like? What is something they love about their job? Um, What is something they dislike about it? And what skills and knowledge did they have to develop before getting to their job or even during their job? Um, so we can start off with whatever question you, you both want to talk about, or if you maybe want to um, give a rundown of what your job is and what it entails, that would be amazing too. Um, so yeah, whoever wants to go ahead and answer first. Okay. I can start with
2: um, what a typical day looks like and then mm-hmm. after should Araceli, mm-hmm. we alternate that way? Yep. Yeah, that? definitely. just wanted to make sure because I don't want to yeah. keep going on and on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: like,
2: hold up, no, okay. um, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, this question is, is it, it, I get asked this question a lot, especially yeah. from those that are really interested in pursuing social work. Mm-hmm. Um, social work is such a broad field. There is mm-hmm. a million things that social workers do and oftentimes people think that when you're get a, you going into social work or you're getting a, a degree in social work, that you want to work for CPS or, yeah. you know, that kind of work. And that definitely is a big piece of social work, but there's mm-hmm. so much more, right? Um, so for me, I've been doing uh, school-based social work for mm-hmm. about, I would say, 12 years now. And um, the day-to-day looks different all the time. But what I can say about it is the different types of things that I experience working in social work. So I do what's called macro social work, um, micro social work. So I do like the individual group therapy, counseling, that kind of thing. And then you do the macro where you you work with like the school as a whole, like the school system, you implement mm-hmm. um, different type of mental health systems within schools. Um, <clears throat> you could work at the policy level. I mean, there's just so many things you can do. Mm-hmm. My job is very macro right now um i work with um one particular school district in the bay area but i also support other school districts in the bay area in alameda county specifically mm-hmm. um and so my job consists of implementing mental health systems that are effective and sustainable in within schools mm-hmm. um so that could be um i'm helping set up what what's called cost meetings and mm-hmm. so um like in the age i work for alameda county so what we really are instrumental in in implementing is cost which sounds stands for Coordination coordination of Service Teams so mm-hmm. that there's an actual team of people that, you know, we have a referral system so students are referred to our referral mm-hmm. system and then we have a team of people, social workers, psychologists, special ed, you have mm-hmm. um, other therapists, maybe MFTs, we all sit at the mm-hmm. same table and we go through the referrals together and we decide what is the best um, support for the student and the family. Mm-hmm. So I help implement, I help actually put those teams together in school districts um, at the mm-hmm. same time I could be doing just last Friday I was at an elementary school and I was doing a presentation on test anxiety for mm-hmm. fifth graders um, sometimes I'm called to go to the high school um, because there is a crisis or something happens and so maybe staff are affected so I work with teachers um, as well if there was um, you know we had an unfortunate incident where there was a stabbing on campus yeah. So I had to go and do some processing groups with, with the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so at any moment, I can be pulled in a lot of different directions um, within this work. So I do love the flexibility of of all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. that is, and and I can teach kinders how to, you know, um, how to breathe, do meditation exercises. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there is really a range of things that we as social workers do. But really, my job right now is implementing systems and um, and training Teachers, as well, um, about trauma and all those fun things. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: So, my day to day as an attorney, so as, as, as Jen mentioned, this applies in the legal profession too, where you have attorneys that specialize in different areas of the law, right? So, you have like family law, corporate law, um, patent law. I, I mean, it's there's a whole host of areas of specialty. I'm a municipal. Um, law attorney. What does that mean? We represent cities, elected officials, and if those cities happen to have a police department, a fire department, then we represent them too. And you know, when I started practicing law, I started practicing healthcare litigation. So we represented hospitals, sued insurance companies like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, you name it. I did that for maybe about two and a half years. And then I transitioned over to employment defense. So we were representing the bosses, the companies. Um, And I did that again for another two and a half years. And now I've been at this current firm and in this, area of law for the last five years and um even after you choose um what area of law you want to focus on you have a decision to 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 practice exclusively either litigation or transactional. So transactional is more like advisory. So people hire you not only to uh, draft contracts, but th- but to provide insight as to you know what decisions they should make in that specific arena. And litigation is what you see in the movies, right? It's it's the whole motion practice, which is we're gonna file a complaint in court. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be depositions. There's gonna be written discovery. Um, motions are filed, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: litigation tends to be a little more adversarial, definitely, than the transactional advisory component. But in my day to day right now, I probably practice, I would say, fifty percent, fifty percent litigation and fifty percent transactional and advisory. Mm-hmm. And in my firm, what I do in the transactional advisory area is I attend city council meetings. So you know, mm-hmm. each of your respective cities has, you know five sitting council members. Uh, The city Mm -hmm. has a city manager, they run the city, and yeah, we we, uh, interface with directors of each of the city departments and we provide advice. We join calls, we attend, you know, meetings to discuss different decisions that the city's thinking um, of taking and you know cities you'd be surprised they get sued for a number of things it's not just your you know run of the mill like slip and fall when you're walking down the sidewalk i mean there are water rights issues there are land use issues you know there are developers that nowadays more so than ever are coming into communities and you know they're trying to you know build us a, a skyscraper or something of the sort you know and there's issues protocols and things that the city has to comply with if not they're gonna get you know they'll have issues with um you know state law mm-hmm. um so yeah so it's very very interesting it's very interesting it's a hybrid of you know the law and politics um so it's so there's no uh every day is exciting
0: <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> They keep you on your toes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for sharing more about, like, what you're doing your job, because I know there's a lot of hermanas out there that are looking into being, um, going into law or being attorneys. So thank you for showing that aspect. And then um, I know social work is also something super broad that people, I, I also o- always just think about it being, like, CPS sort of thing. So thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that side of it and showing how, like, not only flex how flexible it is but also um how like the range of things that you can do within your job that was really interesting to hear so thank you for sharing that side of it Um, so before we go into the next topic would you both kind of maybe say something you love about your job and maybe something you might dislike about it Um, just to kind of give like the your thought on it and why kind of you chose that career path
2: yeah, so I, what I love about social work and, and my, my role is that it is, like I said, you know, not every day does look the same. And mm-hmm. one minute I can be working with kinders and the next minute I can be training teachers or I can be mm-hmm. going to the high school and working with high school students. So I do love that, that I, I like that, that variety, mm-hmm. I, you know? Um, I am also the type of person that I I like change. I actually do like Mm -hmm. change. So for me, I tend to get, you know, sometimes I get like, okay I'm bored now. I need something else. Right. (laughs) So then I can kind of tailor my job to Mm -hmm. to serve, you know, to do. I can say, oh, we might need a training on this and I love self-care. So let me do a training on self-care for Mm -hmm. teachers. So there are just a lot of things that I can I can do with it. And that's the variety aspect that I love about it. the so what I dislike about it. <laughs>
1: my call. <like>, oh,
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I, I I thought a lot about this because I really yeah. feel so. In my my role within education, because um, I also got a master's in education as well. So I did a social mm. MSW, and I also did master's in ed. Okay. um And what what I'm finding, especially now in these times that we're living in, mm. um you know for some odd reason when within msw programs there's always a you can get your msw with like a law you can or you can get your msw with a concentration in public health right uh-huh. so there's just all these different routes you can go right mm-hmm. however for some odd reason there is no program where you can do an msw and a master's in ed to
0: nice. me those
2: two are embedded in my opinion yeah. but they're seen as very separate and, I, for, and I've always felt this way for the longest time. It's always been very separate. You know, you have your school system and then you have like mental health services within the school and it, they don't, they're don't they not embedded together. And that's why there's mm. so much pushback sometimes when it comes to working in schools because and, and, and there's a variety of reasons why there can be a lot of pushback, but some people don't really understand our role within the schools. They don't understand what therapy in schools or what mental yeah. health in schools actually looks like. So, but but they're really concerned, sometimes there's concern about the student missing class or, um, you know, or, or office space. If you are a social worker, you are going to find out very fast that to have an office space, a confidential office space, is a luxury because mm-hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've been in an old closet an old bathroom i've had to share oh, so wow. of course i can't do confidential com- you know conversations yeah. with mm-hmm. other people one of my admins said one time like could you share an, uh, a, a, an office with our counselor our college counselor i'm like no i need mm-hmm. my own office yeah. you know so it's stuff like that but again i believe it's because there is this idea that mental health is here and school education is here yeah mm-hmm. and i think the pandemic revealed to all of us mm-hmm. that it, even more so now we are it's like an alarm going off right now in schools mental health is a is is, is yeah even more present than mm-hmm. it ever was. The, the need for mental health is even more present you have teachers burning out you have you know shortage shortage of subs you have kids who mm-hmm. have been at home for uh, over know. a year almost two years and they are they're off the hook right now at the schools Mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's something we're seeing all over so I think the pandemic has ripped off that layer and revealed to us that we're not okay and we need and then mental health needs to be a priority yeah. um, in schools and and sometimes it's just not and so that's what I dislike about it I don't want to have to fight for a confidential space or I okay. don't want to have to prove that it's going to take time for a student to make some changes it takes mm-hmm. time you know mm-hmm. especially a very traumatized, uh, traumatized child is not going to trust me. I'm mm-hmm. a nice person y'all. I know how to build rapport. I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. cool, but it's going to take some time for yeah. to, to start telling me anything, mm-hmm. but people don't always understand that. And so that's why yeah. I really, my goal is to hopefully work harder in, 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 in really bridging those two together better because right now we are in a crisis, absolutely in a crisis in our schools mm-hmm. and when it comes yeah. to our mental health. So
0: yes, yeah. that's,
2: that's my answer.
0: I'm like, go mm-hmm. off, Jennifer. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> exactly, girl.
2: Guys, don't even get me started. Not-
1: okay. <laughs>
0: I'm like, oh, you ask me, girl, I'm
1: going to tell you. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> but it's true. Oh, like, people don't get it, right? It's mm-hmm. not that quick. Like, when you say, mm-hmm. Jen, like, kids need to warm up. It's going to take time. This doesn't happen overnight. Yes. And yes. They're, they're not sensitive to, you know, the challenges that kids right. are facing. And, yes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real right now. It's like mm-hmm. as if I said, Marisol, tell me your deepest, darkest trauma. Yeah. Or Araceli, tell me yeah. right now, tell me what's going on and what's the biggest thing you've experienced What yeah. traumatic
1: episode. You're yeah. not going to be like, oh, okay, Jen, let me just tell you. I Yeah, exactly. Be- <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. So in my space, let's see, what do I like about my job? I like that I'm constantly, um, and this is both, I guess, because of the stress that comes with it it's both good and bad right so the upside is that i'm exposed to a million and one things and every day i feel like i'm learning about a totally different topic so the law is general but when you're representing cities elected officials municipalities you know whatever issue we tackle this week is going to be very different than what we're tackling a month from now and Mm -hmm. naturally you know my boss is doing this not only to me but to all the attorneys that work in his firm it's like okay figure it out so that's exciting because again you're broadening your skill set you're constantly you know learning new things you're constantly interfacing with different agencies and that keeps you on your toes right it doesn't the, the work isn't monotonous so it's not like mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing over and over but then the downside is that that comes with a lot of stress right and mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of stress. And I think you have to know when you are considering whether to go to law school, how you're wired, right? There are people that are, that it's innate, it's how they're wired. They can function very well under pressure. And even if they you know, struggle a little. I think they sort of bottle it up for a hot second and Mm -hmm. then they're in fight or flight mode and then they make it happen, then they get a breather and they're back to normal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to know whether you're pursuing a law degree for the right reasons, right? Mm -hmm. I've always said, I I don't have children, but I see a lot of parents who are attorneys or for whatever reason they feel that their kids should pursue either medicine or the law. Mm -hmm. And I always think, jeez, talk about pressure, poor kids, you know, Mm -hmm. let them choose what they're passionate. If they pursue their passion, they're going to be happy. And isn't happiness ultimately what we should all strive for? Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to be financially stable. We want to be able to provide not only for ourselves, our children, our parents, um, whoever that may be, but the legal Mm -hmm. profession is stressful and there's no denying that, you know? So, um, I've always told people, you know, when they ask me, you know, I'm debating whether to go to law school. What are your thoughts? And I always say, hey, if you if this is your dream, if you have wanted this for some time, then do it. And if you think that one day you're going to be on your deathbed regretting not having gone to law school, you know, mm-hmm. in the earlier stages of your life, then do it. But do it because you want to and because mm-hmm. you're willing to do whatever it takes to not only graduate from high school, Uh, from law school but to study for that bar exam and even after the bar exam you know it's a lot that comes with it in in this space um so again I think it's it's twofold right it's exciting because Mm -hmm. it's new things coming at you develop you're developing a broad skill set but it comes with it, it it comes with with stress so you just have to be aware of that and that's definitely something that sometimes makes me think oh geez you know why didn't I just <laughs> move to Europe and I do learn some random trade <laughs> to be gainfully employed in an island somewhere but no but then I come back <laughs> to reality and I remind myself you know this is definitely something I wanted to do since I was like 17 years old and if I could yeah. do it all over again I
0: definitely would mm-hmm. yeah yeah thank you for sharing that i wrote that down I thought that was so important do it because you want to not because okay. someone is pressuring you to do mm-hmm. it um nice. so i think that's super important so thank you so much for sharing that um so thank you both for um, talking a little bit about your careers um now we're going to transition into talking about post-grad life especially since graduation's coming up soon and there's a lot of hermanas that are graduating um this year so um, I have two questions that I would love for both of y'all to answer. Um, the first one is, um, if you've heard of the term imposter syndrome, um, have you had any experience with like feeling imposter syndrome when you were in undergrad or any time like in education or even in your workplace? And how did you personally cope or deal with it? And then the second question is, did post life go the way you originally thought and planned? And what surprised you most um, during your grad life journey? So, your post-grad life. So, yeah, whoever wants to go first, welcome to Speak On It. Um, sure, I can, I can start. Um, mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> yes, imposter syndrome? Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, especially as a woman of color, mm-hmm. or you Latina know woman. I mean, I, I cannot tell you... Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like I, I learned, I've, I've been learning for a really long time. It's not something that I've, I feel like I've, you know, I, I, I've definitely experienced imposter syndrome. Sometimes I still experience it. Mm-hmm. And let me just, let me just share with you for the longest time. Okay. So I got my doctorate, I think in three years ago, mm-hmm. I, you know, for the longest time, I would not put doctor in front of my name. <sighs> or I would, you know, I would, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes I'm in meetings or, and I just was like, I'm just, Gen- you know, I'm just Jennifer. Like that's yeah. just who I am. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I earned this degree, mm-hmm. but I felt weird putting it in front of my name for a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's a lot that comes from it. Um, I think there's a, a reason why, you know, I think when, when you go to college and this might be for another podcast, another five hours or whatever, but I will say <laughs> when, when you go to college and you're one of the few to do it, it's a very mm-hmm. isolating experience. It can be very isolating. Yeah. And sometimes I felt like I've kind of going through my UCLA experience. I, I felt like I was living two lives essentially. I was living my life at home with my family in the Bay, my with some of my best friends, and I was just like, you know, they would ask me how, how, what's the guy situation over there? How are the guys? And you know, <laughs> how are the parties? You know? And they wanted to know all, like the juicy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I would go back to LA, and I go to, back to UCLA with my hermanas and and other friends and we would have like these really amazing conversations Mm -hmm. about like what's happening within our community and just the inequities and the inequalities and Mm -hmm. you know we're we're hyped and we're ready to like oh heck no we're gonna you know Mm -hmm. we're gonna stand up for this and we're gonna do this because people are being treated horribly or no one's going to college, like, when we were at UCLA, I want to say we were about 10% of the Latino, La- Latinx population at UCLA, mm-hmm. well, and was 3% African-American, and it felt every bit of that, many times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, when I was living like this double, like, passionate, mm-hmm. going back, you know, to LA, and then coming home, and then kind of, downplaying that a little bit mm-hmm. you know it, it, it was just a really hard thing to juggle and so as I've gotten older and as I like you know I went on to get like two more master's degrees and I got my doctorate mm-hmm. um, I still I'm proud and I was, I was like yes I'm doing this but there was always this like I don't want to like, I don't want people thinking that I think I'm all that
0: mm-hmm. yeah I don't want
2: people think my cousins or my family because sometimes they're like oh she thinks she's all right you know you know for her her degrees you know yeah (laughs) so so I think I've I've struggled with that right and Mm -hmm. so when it came into going into the field into being a professional um Mm -hmm. I I experienced a lot of that because I think I didn't have the confidence in myself Mm -hmm. even though I earned the degrees I worked my butt off I did all the Mm -hmm. things that I had to do I didn't have the confidence in myself so I was Early on in my career, not so much now, but early on in the, my career, I experienced some really, you know, some racist things with social workers who mm-hmm. <laughs> were racist towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, I would hear them and I'm like, but I wasn't at the time when I first started, I wasn't confident enough
0: mm-hmm. in
2: myself because I was very new to the field. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a ton of experience. So I wasn't confident enough in myself. So I kind of let it you know, get to me. Now, I think had I known, you know, I would have done things way different now, but mm-hmm. that is life. like we learn, right? I'm not gonna be mm-hmm. myself over it. So, um, so yeah, imposter syndrome is very real. Uh, sometimes I'll be at my son's school meetings and the principal who I know because I work at the school, she'll be like, "You better put doctor on the on the Zoom," yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and, and I and I'm like, Oh, "Okay." And she'll call me Doctor Chavez. and sometimes I'm like, "Stop, stop, stop, stop," you know. <laughs> but, it's, but I think it's because you know, mm-hmm. you know, the way I, I'm one of the few to do it in my family. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's 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 you know, not everyone's doing it. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with like everyone getting degrees left and right. You know, my parents mm-hmm. they went to. High school and graduated high school my dad went to Vietnam War the Vietnam mm-hmm. War but that was that was that was the extent of it so um mm-hmm. I think I answered your question um I was just kind of going off there but yeah. I, yeah I answered your question about imposter yeah I
1: yes did you did definitely do. Joke. Mm-hmm. yeah it's no yeah. joke
2: for sure
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and for me it's been it's been the same you know I think it's unfortunate when we think about you know the fact that our experience is nearly deco it doesn't matter you know what university a latina graduates from or how many degrees she has right we all go through this at one point or another and it takes a while right it takes it takes a long while um just you know like jen after ucla i went to law school to uc davis after that i got another master's degree in uh, from columbia and then from Mm -hmm. the london school of economics overseas And every step of the way, you know, I just felt like I was constantly surrounded by a majority of people that were not only white, but privileged. Mm -hmm. And then the few Latinos who were also um, in my program were Mm -hmm. privileged Latinos right especially Mm -hmm. in New York at Columbia and at the London School of Economics were privileged Latinos that were coming from their respective countries right they weren't even Mm -hmm. born in the U.S. they didn't even live in the U.S. so that's a whole nother experience altogether too yeah and you know when you're navigating these spaces you graduate you get your degrees you get you know your first job and again Mm -hmm. a majority of the people you know around you are not people of color you know Mm -hmm. and if they are it's it's the level of experience, the amount of experience that you come in with that makes you question yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So as Jen mentioned, I'm sure there were other social workers that were people of color, but because you didn't have the experience, the same, same as me, like I didn't have the experience, you question yourself and you really have to come back to the drawing board. And it's almost like you have to pump yourself up and get back to basics and say, hey, you know, you graduated from UCLA, the number one public university, you know, in the world, and you graduated from all these different institutions. This is no, this just didn't happen. Like, you have what it takes to not only excel in this position, but to, you know, move and advance in this company and in this sphere. And it's, it's unfortunate. I think that's why it's important for us to surround ourselves with people that are positive with people that are you know inspirational with people that have insight to impart um because it's not an easy trajectory you know there's going to be nights when you are just down when you may cry when you may question yourself but you know what you wake up the next day and you start from scratch and you make it happen and with every passing day um you know you develop thicker skin you become more confident And with that confidence comes like the ability to to make demands, you know, as far Mm -hmm. as or to throw your name in the hat. Right. For a position that you never even thought you were Mm -hmm. qualified for. So I think it's 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 very important to, you know, take it day by day. Trust the process and never forget that, you know, you're exactly where you're meant to be and you have what it takes to to excel. In this, mm-hmm. in this sector.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanna actually piggyback off of something
2: really quickly that mm-hmm. Adam said. Mm-hmm. And I wanna just make sure I say, there were times sometimes where I had to fake it to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I say mm-hmm. that, I will never forget, one of my first jobs was in East Palo Alto, shout out EPA, Um <laughs> Palo Alto. And um, I remember I got hired, and they were so mm-hmm. excited to have a school social worker. And um, I was excited, but nervous, because it was just like, what am I getting myself into? and um i remember the principal tells me okay i'm gonna team you up with dr so-and-so at stanford children's and together you and him are gonna do a pd for our teacher you're our teacher, so i'm gonna give you contact info and i remember thinking like okay i literally just moved back to the bay from la mm-hmm. you're i'm gonna meet this doctor mm-hmm. okay a doctor mm-hmm. from stanford children's hospital mm-hmm. uh-huh and him and I are gonna work together to create a PD. And I'm like, what? in my head, I'm like, what the heck am I doing? So yeah. then I remember I met him. He was just amazing, he was so cool. Uh-huh. But you should have seen me at that meeting with him. I was just shaking my head like, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely are yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, what we need to do with teachers <laughs> is we need to talk about behaviors in children. And in my head, I'm that's like, true. girl, go off, girl. So, uh, go off. Yeah. Girl. You, are, you gotta, And I was like, you know, yeah. and there were things I didn't know, and then there were things I did, and then I would do the uh-huh. research after our meeting. But I just kind of like I can't. I got to hold my own here. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't. Mm-hmm. I could either, I could either pump myself up, uh-huh. Be confident, and be like, okay, yeah. here I am. Uh-huh. Or I can crawl into a little hole and say, hold on, I just graduated. I don't have all kind of experience. <laughs> exactly. You know. And I was like, Enough I can't do that. That's not gonna no. work. So Mm-mm. so I, I I stepped up. I you know I was like, all right, let's let's do this. And then I I left and I was like, oh my god, I gotta do some more research. (laughs) (laughs) What what did we learn at USC? What did they tell me again? I know exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's that too. It's like you're gonna, you gotta just, you gotta go out there and know what you know and don't know what you don't know. But Uh you gotta prove that. That's right. That's all you right here. You Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And then you deal with it
0: after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It reminded me of that. Yeah. Thank you for that example. I feel like that's a good transition into what we're going to talk about next, which is how to be confident, how to be a chingona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I, I also did just want to reiterate, like, some of the some of the things that both of y'all brought up. Um so i really like to take it by day day by day and trust the process and fake it mm-hmm. till you make it because sometimes you do have to do that so mm-hmm. thank you so much for like saying that and um because it makes like me and the maybe other advanas feel better because um both of you are super successful um already years into your career and we all felt like this at some point mm-hmm. so i just think that's really important to talk about so thank you so much for that and um so before we go into the last topic, um, I do want to tell everybody listening right now that you do receive an academic hour for listening to this episode. So today's password is Boss Girl. So today's <laughs> password is Boss Girl. So if you're listening to this um Please put that um, password into the Google form and our academic chair, Leslie, will give you an academic hour for listening to this episode. So now we're going to transition to talking about our last topic. I know we're almost finished. It went by so quick. Um, But I kind of just want to ask both Araceli and Jennifer today, what does being a chingona mean to them? And can they highlight maybe an example or just talk a little bit more about how they think that they're a mujer that is intelligent and fearless. Um, So whoever wants to start off first with that. So
1: for me, a chingona, when I think about, you know, who is a chingona, let's define the term chingona. I see someone who is independent, fearless Mm -hmm. and self-assured. (laughs) <laughs> and a woman that is self-assured and fearless takes calculated risks, you know, you throw your name in the hat, you put yourself out there, and I've always told some people, you never take yourself out of the running, you know, and sometimes that happens, and that goes back to the imposter syndrome conversation mm-hmm. we had a second ago. Sometimes, you know, whether it's a uh, job description that may, you know, come your way, you review it and you think no, I, you know, I can't do it. I just don't have what it takes. I don't have the skill set or I'm not there yet. And I think that Chingona, you know, views herself as having the ability to not only meet but exceed any and every challenge that is, you know, set before her. And I think that's what ha- we have to keep in mind. You know, we mm-hmm. have to aspire to be that chingona, you know, the one who is intelligent and um, so so self-aware of her abilities mm-hmm. that she does not create roadblocks, imaginary roadblocks that prevent her from reaching her full potential. So. I think that's what we have to think of, you know, when we're, you know, going about our day to day, when we're planning out, you know, what we're going to do after we graduate from undergrad, when we're going to plan out, you know, what grad score are we going to go to or, you know, what's my 10-year objective? You know, think about it that way. If you're at UCLA, if you were accepted, it's because you, you have what it takes. And, you know, never question, never question yourself. I love that,
2: Araceli. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for saying that. I I, I want to just add that all the things that Shelly said. Um, mm-hmm. I want to add that I think that being a chingona also means that you are not you 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 take chances, you take risks. Mm-hmm. You will fall. You will fall. Mm-hmm. You may not, you know, but you have to get back up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and I think that that's important. I also think it's really important. Uh, a jingona to feel. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. this is my social worky stuff, right? But I think oftentimes <laughs> mm-hmm. we're there's this message that that's being kind of told to us is that you got to be strong.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: you have that's to keep right. going. And yes, those things are important. But if you don't stop and feel, that's you right. don't stop and accept what is happening. You know, sometimes things are just effed up. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are. And, 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 and we need to just pause and say, you know what, that is messed up. Mm-hmm. This is not okay, mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. To be able to experience your emotions, to feel your emotions, to sit with your emotions, to talk about, talk through your emotions, that to me is so important because we're mm-hmm. often, you we gotta be strong, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep moving. Mm-hmm. And we do those things and we're so exhausted and mm-hmm. we, we, we completely flop and we fall. And, mm-hmm. and we don't know what to do because we're trying to, like, be that strong person. Mm-hmm. And I think part of being a jingona is accepting your feelings, mm-hmm. sitting with them, feeling them, embracing them. Mm-hmm. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to not be okay. Those, mm-hmm. That's okay. And I wish that we would normalize that more than we actually do because we're human beings and we mm-hmm. we experience life very you know we got a lot mm-hmm. of us we all gone through some things i don't know anyone who hasn't gone through something mm-hmm. right. and 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 even with like being at ucla i'm sure i can almost guarantee that those of you listening to this podcast right now have been struck have struggled and are struggling through academics maybe you're, you know from be- home maybe you're dealing with something you know at ho- back at home or you feel this you know we're we're very connected to our families and maybe there's this mm-hmm. guilt that you're in school right now when you should be helping your family mm-hmm. so there's all these things right that we go through and it's okay to feel
0: mm-hmm. have your novela
2: moments i i love novela <laughs> moments. Uh, i yeah. always say that that's like a thing i always say mm-hmm. because yeah. sometimes you just need to be all dramatic and oh, because that's <laughs> what you need to do you have yeah. to release yeah. you have to release yeah. release things are not okay that's okay Find mm-hmm. those people, like Chelly said, find those people that are going to help lift you up and help and listen to you.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and, and sometimes when someone cries, just, no, no, don't do that, don't cry. Don't be upset, We because we're, we're uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable mm-hmm. to hold those feelings mm-hmm. for a friend.
0: Yeah. But mm-hmm. no, cry,
2: let it mm-hmm. out, yes, this thing sucks. This is, this mm-hmm. is whack, like we, yeah. we could do this. Mm-hmm. That's what I think part of being a chingona is, is yeah. accepting who, what you're feeling inside mm-hmm. and, 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 and doing what you need to do to release. So that way, you can pick your, you know, wipe those tears up like I always did in one of my doctorate program, I did my novella moments. I was all my, I was, I was pregnant with both my kids <laughs> was, during my doctorate process. And I will tell wow. you, when I would come home after being with my dissertation chair, I'm like, what? Yeah. Damn, I worked. I had
1: two kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like,
2: yeah. yeah and yeah. then after that, I said, All right, girl, no one else didn't do this but yourself. So get your <laughs> butt up and go. And yeah. that's what I needed yeah. to know. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, no one has your back like you have your back. Yeah. yeah. You can be supported. You mm-hmm. can have the most supportive people in your corner. But at the end of the day, either you do it or mm-hmm. you don't do it. There is yeah. no other option. So mm-hmm. that's that's what part of being a jingona is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hope I helped answer that.
0: Yes, yeah. that was such a good answer because I've never yeah. looked at it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's like a really big first-gen problem, sort of thing, yeah. um, because it's like you gotta work hard, you gotta keep on going, like don't give up. Um, I feel like that's always encouraged, especially in like first-gen students. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like how you emphasize like accept what you're feeling inside, like life stuck sometimes but you're mm-hmm. the only but you're the only one that can tell yourself like you can do it or you can't yeah. do it you know yeah. Um and then I liked how you mentioned the be dramatic sometimes because <laughs> yeah. I, feel like, I feel like being dramatic sometimes can really help you like let go of things or yes, just feel yeah. things in general yeah. even yeah. if they call you dramatica because My whole family always calls me dramatica, like my soul is bien dramatica, blah, blah. blah. (laughs) And then uh, I have have a niece um, who was just born, like two years, no, she's a year old now. And you know, when she cries and like does her little fits, and then um, my cuñada always tells me, I always laugh <laughs> it out. But yeah, I really like how you emphasize that. I feel like a lot of people have to have to hear that, especially from mm. someone that has so much knowledge about like mental yeah. health and stuff like that. So thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, we're almost finished, but just one last thing that I wanted to ask is um do you both have like any advice for anybody who's like, maybe struggling with self-confidence or um, any advice for any hermanas that are going to graduate soon um, about post-grad or maybe something else that you wish you knew before you graduated? Um, you don't have to answer both, but whichever one you maybe have a piece of advice for, that would be much appreciated. <clears> okay, <throat> <Thank
2: you. laughs> um. So, I, I think, so, just kind of going back to the self-confidence, you know, I always tell my students, I'm also an adjunct professor at uh, Cal Baptist University down south. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, I'm always telling my students that, um, you know, at the end of the day, no one knows who you are but yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. People can
2: say things, they can treat you some way based on what they think, who they think you are, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know yourself better than anybody, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and it's like I said, you know, I'm not always perfect with confidence myself. I'm not going to sit mm-hmm. here and pretend like, oh, I'm the most confident person right mm-hmm. here in this podcast. Yeah. Right. Like, no, I have mm-hmm. my I have my my days and my moments. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you have to find it within yourself mm-hmm. and tell yourself, like, I am capable. I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. I didn't come this far to get mm-hmm. this far right mm-hmm. you you know you just and 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 things are going to be hard accept that things are going to happen life goes on we're in mm-hmm. school and life goes on life mm-hmm. don't care if you're a student, <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know? yeah, especially for those of you who don't live at home or live, maybe home is a little bit further. Like mm-hmm. things will happen, but don't give up because at the end of mm-hmm. the day, and maybe sometimes what's helpful, and I'm sure you all do this um, with asmanas, but like vision boarding is amazing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it keeps you connected to your goals. Put it up in your room, you know. Um, Put whatever, whatever helps you keep focus of what it is that you truly want for yourself. So when you Mm -hmm. have those moments of doubt, go back to your vision board. No, at the end of this is what I want, and this is how I Mm -hmm. can get there. Um, But again, you are the only one who has your back.
0: So yes. You, yeah. If you do either you
2: do it or you don't do it. Mm-hmm. If you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. That's how powerful mm-hmm. our mind is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't make that quote up. It was Doctor Seuss, y'all. So I'm not. Gonna say <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but that's true, right? That's true. It's yeah. Mind, you know, my, our mind tells us what we can and cannot mm-hmm. do. And the last thing I will say, and I think this is really important, is that when we are when I, I go back to my my bachelor uh, when I was getting my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was this pressure that I know I put on myself and I felt like people were feeling and maybe weren't talking about it, but I felt like we already got through UCLA. We already got through this like big, huge, like crazy experience that was amazing and just a whirlwind of emotions. And now I have this pressure that I need to know what I'm going to do because mm-hmm. everyone knows what they're going to mm-hmm. do or people are talking about it. And, oh, I, I'm what are you doing? Oh, I'm applying to law school. I'm doing this. I'm going to go to mm-hmm. med school. And there's this pressure we put on ourselves that we have to know what that Mm -hmm. next move is going to be. And sometimes when we rush those decisions, we realize that maybe that's not really what we wanted, but because we Mm -hmm. feel like we have to prove something to everybody else, or we have Mm -hmm. to have an answer, Mm
0: -hmm. you know?
2: And I just want to tell everyone listening, you don't have to know exactly Mm -hmm. what the next step is going to be. Don't feel that pressure of, I need to know if I'm going to law school, getting my master's Mm -hmm. in education, Mm going to go to medical school, I'm going to study for the MCAT. you don't have to know. You're so young when you graduate, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you take your time if if you don't know. If you know yeah. and you have your goals and you're set, then go for it. Go do you, right? Do mm-hmm. you. But don't feel that pressure of trying to do it because everyone else knows. And things mm-hmm. did not go the way that they were planned when I left, when I graduated, you know? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't put yourself on a timeline. But if you know what you want to do and you have it all set up, go for it. More power Mm -hmm. to you. But if you don't, that is okay. Take your time. You will figure it out. Mm -hmm. I promise.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. my advice.
1: Yeah, and I agree with Jen um, on that point because I was gonna say that the second my still asked, like, what advice would you give, you mm-hmm. know, undergrads right now, you know, when people ask me, uh, you know, I moved around a lot, lived in different places overseas, I went to different schools, and I think mm-hmm. if someone reads my resume, they think that I was on it from day one, you know, that mm-hmm. this was perfectly planned, mm-hmm. and I always tell people, you know. I didn't plan any of this, you know, like I knew I wanted to go to law school. But guess what? I was flexible enough. I did two things that a lot of people don't do, which I was flexible enough with my plans changing at the 11th hour. And even if I didn't know where that door was going to lead me or to I was actually going to use that going forward, I just went along with it. And then that door, the door that I never even considered, opened another door that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think a lot of times people are so set in their plans and there's no veering veering away from that that I think you you lose you know, you lose part of the experience. So, Mm -hmm. I think just don't be too hard on yourself. Enjoy the process, as cliche as it sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, and it'll all work out. I have no doubt that it'll work out, but be flexible. And just, you know, um, if another, uh, the second thing that came to mind when Marisol asked, you know, what other advice Mm -hmm. would you give undergrads? It's, I think a lot of times, especially when you're talking about Latinas, first gen, There's a certain level maybe of intimidation when they're trying to get an answer or knock on a door. And if that door, you know, gets shut in your face or it doesn't work out, a lot of us, again, and this goes back to us not having mentors or family members that have gone through these experiences that have pursued these post-grad paths we sort of stop you know and we sort of say oh you know it's just not meant to be I applied to two schools for a master's degree and you know this isn't for me and the dream ends there But sometimes, you know, it's timing. Sometimes it's like, you know what, maybe it just wasn't meant to happen at this very moment. As Jen said, Mm -hmm. you're young. How about you apply to be a research assistant or work for a professor or Mm -hmm. apply for a fellowship? You know, after I graduated from UCLA, I moved to Sacramento. I applied to the Senate Fellows Program and I worked in the state capitol for state senator for a year. And I did that because I was so busy. I was at UCLA for five years. I was so busy that I didn't plan accordingly. And I didn't Mm -hmm. study for the LSAT. I didn't work on application. So I found out about this fellowship and I applied. Mm -hmm. I got accepted, moved up there. And then when I was living in Sacramento, that's when I studied for you know, the the LSAT and went to Davis and then, you know, that all happened. So I just think people just have to be flexible. And if one door doesn't open, you know, the day after graduating or a few months prior to graduating, it's not the end of the world. You know, you'll, you'll come to the realization, you know, 10 years out that everything, everything played out exactly how it was supposed to play out. And you just have to, again, trust the process. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's super important to know. So thank you so much for sharing that, especially for um, our hermanas are graduating this year and maybe they don't know what they're doing afterwards mm-hmm. or are still thinking about that. Um, so I think that's very beneficial um, and important to talk about. So thank you so much. And so we're officially... At the end of the episode, which I'm so sad because I had such a fun time talking with both Araceli mm-hmm. and Jennifer. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Um, remember to follow the podcast, guys with Yorvanna, and our Instagram at UCLA underscore HAU to get notified when we post a new episode. And if you want us to talk about anything specific, um, let us know. So before we officially end and say bye to everyone, um I want to ask our guest um, for maybe like a song recommendation, a Netflix show, um, I don't know, maybe just anything you want to share, like something fun um, that you want to maybe recommend our audience, if y'all have anything. What was the last show I watched on Netflix? (laughs) Oh, you know what I
1: watched? Bridgerton. Oh, my god! I watched season one one. and season two, Mm -hmm. and I actually loved it. You know, I don't know what Mm -hmm. it was about the whole, you know, um yeah I, I love that show so I think that's the one that I was like so obsessed yeah. with
0: I'm like okay back to work you know <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a really yeah. good show I watched it I watched it as well it's super popular right now everyone's going to like these events for like Bridgerton yeah. and stuff like that too mm-hmm. that is yeah. a
2: good one. Mm-hmm. um like um the well the one that I really enjoy, it's just fun, is Abbott Elementary. So if you have Ooh, had a chance yeah. to watch Abbott Elementary, it's so it's so good. Yeah. And it speaks uh-huh. to ed- education as well, but it's really funny. <laughs> it's uh-huh. it's it's great. So Abbott Elementary is a really fun it's a fun show right now on TV. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: So thank you yeah. both for sharing that. And thank you. um we can end the episode now. So let's just all say bye to the audience. So Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye, everyone.